how are you guys doing? Oh my god, the mayhem flag. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> have you guys uh, managed to sit through Lords of Chaos before? The film. I have. Yes, yeah. uh, I, I found it a rather painful experience. <laughs> uh, you know what? You got to take it for what it is, and it's just a, yeah. uh, an unrealistic dramatization. But you know, Val Kilmer's kids in it. <laughs> Floyd, if you don't mind, could you tell me what you hated about it? If I'm being totally honest, I actually enjoyed it. If I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. Do you know what? I think the I I get massive secondhand embarrassment. Which is why I've never been good with programs like The Office. Like the US one's pretty good because it takes out a lot of the secondhand embarrassment of the UK one. But just some of the dialogue was super, super cringy for me. But no, I agree. Like if you take away like the history of what actually happened, it, it, it can be quite enjoyable. I never saw it. That's about, was it Euronymous or? Yeah. Yeah. And Bargain. It's got a Macaulay Culkin's brother. What's the, I can't think of his name right now. He uh, plays Euronymous. Oh, uh, Rory Culkin. Rory, yeah, Rory Culkin. Yeah, yeah. uh, I was trying to figure out what we were. I joined in the, the middle of that. I was trying to figure out what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like me and Floyd, because we're so English, we're like very practiced in the art of shame. So I think anything <laughs> that's real shame is like <laughs> so painful for us. <laughs> What part of England are you guys from? We're both in London right now. Okay. Hopefully it has some Scottish um, heritage. It gives it away a bit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) My dad is from uh, Cheltenham. Oh, nice. I've never been there. Uh, It's lovely. Um, We went like two or three years ago. And I, uh, growing up, I would go almost every summer. And yeah, I loved it out there. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, yeah. England's like, it, it can be really shit, but it can also be really beautiful. Cheltenham's <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite cool. Did you go to the race course while you were in Cheltenham? It's got a massive um, horse racing course there. I, I, I've been to it before when I was younger. Uh, the last time I went, I don't think there was any races going on. I, I love uh, going out and, and jogging around town, and I would always go jog around the race course. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for uh, joining us anyway. Just want to say a massive uh, congrats on the uh, new album. And the, uh, was it Thank 500 you. copies that have been sold through Bandcamp? Physical copies? You sold out. You had like, what, 500 different, um, you had like loads of different runs of 100 vinyls in different colors, right? And you just sold out of everything in like a few days, is what I, I saw. We sold out of our like domestic product. I think there's still some stuff floating through Evil Greed in the UK. But oh, yeah. is that? I need to get my hands on it then. I didn't realize yeah, I think, that there's there. Thank you for letting me know. I think one of the pressings they we did for them, because we did two runs for Evil Greed, and one of them, I believe, is sold out, and I think one is, is hanging on there. Are you guys going to come to the UK? We'd love to. Yeah, <laughs> Please <ideally>. come. <laughs> it, it's been a conversation for us for i i think over 10 years now of of trying to just go to europe in general um but i i don't know it, it might actually be feasible i think um maybe i don't know maybe possibly next summer not not of 2021 but of 22 maybe that would yeah. honestly make a day like i think a lot of the european crowd would love you as well and i'd like damnation festival you guys would fit in so well on their lineup there's like so yeah. many we've been invited to play a few times and it's just we've never been able to line up the the pieces correctly oh. 
Oh, that's really interesting to know. I yeah. like I like that you have. So hopefully that means that you will again. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think we're now we're in a spot. I think the thing holding us back back then was we were probably like not as I don't know if mature is the word, but like we just weren't ready. Like we couldn't get our ducks in a row. And now, you know, we're all, you know, adults or whatever. And we can, you know, have the infrastructure to pull it off feasibly. I remember reading in an interview, you said that you were a band that kind of um, did stuff during moments. So you had like periods where you kind of didn't do things for a while. And then you kind of suddenly have a burst of, of motivation. So like kind of what, what made you get back into your current moment? Do you want to take it, Jackson? Uh, huh? Sure, sure. So, um, I mean, all of the the like breaks we've taken have been um, kind of unintentional. If if I'm telling the truth, it's kind of just you know gotten to a point that it's been at least in the moment it's felt like more trouble than it's worth, and we know that we've needed a break. And in our younger years, we would we would call it breaking up. We, we would say like we're done. That this band <laughs> is not working. Um, and then as we got older, we started to like realize that this was a pattern we were doing. And so then we started to referring to it as like, oh, we're just not active right now. And we kind of always had in the back of our minds, hopefully eventually it will come back. And, and thankfully it did. And, uh, this time around, um, we had been inactive for, I think about four or five years. And I can't remember if it was either Brandon or Scott first who who kind of like laid the foundation to want to finish our record that we had instrumentally recorded um, five years ago. Um, and Scott had an idea of just like putting the songs online for free. And then after listening to him, he was like, actually, these are good. We should finish them. And, and Brandon had the motivation and wanted to do that. And uh, Brandon, you said it best, like in, in a recent interview, I, I think you and I had a conversation and I, I was very like hands off, dismissive of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, because I, I had brought it to your attention. I wanted to finish it probably about two years before we actually did finish it. And Jackson straight up told me and Scott was still playing and Jackson's other band, Benoit at the time. You were just like, hey, well, just so you know, you're more than welcome to do it, but you're not going to get any help from us because we're doing this other project. and. <laughs> You're on your own. And that kind of, I think, I, I wouldn't say it demotivated me, I, it, but at the same time, it didn't help push the project forward. I think it was Scott coming back and being like, hey, look, we really need to finish this album. I mean, for a while, listening to those tracks was was pretty hard. With I mean, not necessarily just because they didn't have vocals on them, but they just brought up a lot of kind of bad memories. And I think we all kind of felt that. And I think the we had separated ourselves long enough from when they had initially been recorded and we had issues to where we were and we were just like, okay, we actually like these and they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily tied to those memories anymore. Mm. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew kind of helped me fall in love with the songs again. I think we, we met at a pizza place and I remember, I remember just like, the way Andrew was talking about the songs, I was like, oh yeah, like there's some really cool parts. Like I, I actually am really proud of it. Um, but I, yeah, it's kind of funny the way that external factors will um, influence the way that you think about anything, especially your own music. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, I, I don't, I can't speak for you guys, but I feel 
one of the things I really like about your music is that it's so personal, but at the same time, I don't, I don't necessarily, I feel like I, I, I would like to ask you, like when you are writing those songs and like when those lyrics especially get put to those songs, like are those lyrics you or are they a part of you or a projection of like, like an archetype that you feel within yourself? Like how, how close? They're, they're definitely very personal. Yeah. Yeah, like I could break down specific lines and go, well, it means this, it refers to this, and, you know, this moment in particular. I, I mean, I could really break down pretty much all the lyrics to specific things. Um, they are very personal, they're very autobiographical, um, and they are kind of, you know, a reflection on that time from when we initially started to record this album to when we actually finished it. I, I like when I was listening to this, I was trying to find lyrics for songs for the Enamel Queen and I couldn't find any, but I, what I could make out were brutal as fuck. Um, like very, like I, I, something that I find about your lyrics, they really remind me of the writing of Chuck Palahniuk. I don't know if you're a fan. Um, he wrote like Fight Club and Choke. It's that very yeah. like conventional style of like brutal opening up yourself and just being like, this is me. Um, and I really, I, I really like that. It's like at times very relatable, even though I feel like it's super masculine at the same time but i i really dig like the fucking brutal groove of uh of like the lyrics and how they like juxtapose with those fucking incredible guitars that you you made them right like the drop g guitar yeah. bass things monstrosities would you consider making me some like can i <laughs> make me one of those incredible dirty guitars those guitars are actually um that you're referring to the ones admiral uses admiral angry oh i'm guitar. so sorry no, that's okay. Honestly, they sound so similar to me because they're just like brutal and big and I just assume they're the same ones. Yeah, I didn't have the chutzpah to make my own guitar. Daniel from Admiral Angry <laughs> took it to another level and made his own guitar. I just took a normal guitar and tuned it all the way down. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so if you guys uh, ever like decide to start your own Drop G guitar factory, please let us know. Uh, <laughs> I, I do remember like because scott was using the same guitar for several years and if i remember correctly like scott in our in our beginning years your your guitar would go out of tune a lot like mm -hmm. I, rem I remember like most shows by if we, if we would listen back to the recordings by the end of the recording it would go out of tune but by the end or not by the end after several years it's almost like the guitar got used to it or I don't know if you got if you got better at. <laughs> I think I just got better at the upkeep and keeping it tuned. I think when we decided uh, to play in drop G, it was like throwing a dart too. It was like we were playing in a in a band that was like similarly heavy, but not the exact same style. And uh, when we decided to to evolve that into whatever Black Sheep Wall became, it was like hit the note. <laughs> that sounds good. That's G. Let's do that. <laughs> that's fucking impressive yeah I, I remember like when um when i started like doing more music stuff uh, the guitarist of my project like was obsessed with drop g and like the bomb string kind of style that you guys had and was like before we did this interview all he would talk about was your guitar so i had to ask <laughs> about the, the drop g tuning and all that stuff so thank you for entertaining me in my ignorance um <laughs> for doing that <laughs> It's uh, one of the things that uh, really um, 
intrigued me uh, was I was reading a previous interview and you guys were uh, discussing the uh, the incredible slam dancing of your uh, local scene. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a slam fan myself, so I just want to know if there's any... I know Bear Claw are quite a local band to you guys, right? Yeah, you know them? Yeah, I've, I've heard of them before, yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of my they were our rivals okay, okay wait wait wait, wait. Before, before we go down the rival lane because that can be dangerous <laughs> but i'm happy to talk about it um i am actually very very close with their singer he's one of my best friends uh to this day um he's not making music currently but hearing you drop their name right now like totally blew my mind like i i didn't know that uh people were still aware of them that's really he's gonna be really excited I, I just went through a phase because the thing is with like with with California, it's it's really because like England gets a lot of credit for being the birthplace of metal, but um, I consider California to be the birthplace of a lot of extreme metal, whether that be thrash, death. You know, there's so many seminal bands have come through um, that state. So I went through a phase of just looking for the most obscure and just heaviest, like beat down heavy bands for the longest uh. time. That's funny. That blew my mind too. <laughs> and, and, wow! That's, no, that's seriously amazing. And also, I'm very. Uh, it's very interesting to hear you say that because my perception uh, from growing up near LA, you know, I've lived in California my whole life, has almost felt like California is like this odd duck of metal. Like there's a lot of it here, but it's kind of um, it's a contradiction because the culture of California, you know is like, it's always sunny and, you know, it, it's all materialism and it's all these things. And then, so if you play in a metal band there, it's like, almost like it doesn't make sense. So um, very interesting to hear you say that you, you've kind of located it as a focus point of a certain kind of music. Yeah, it's, I mean, to be honest, uh, the US has always been one of my favorite um, scenes for extreme music and, um, yeah, it's just I just I just I went through phases where I'm just very geographically focused. I'll go through a month of just <laughs> trying to explore the most obscure Czech gore grind bands for six months, and then switch over to black metal from 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 Poland. And so it's just I don't know. There's something I find really interesting about how there's a similar characteristics to each scene and how there's there's commonalities in a lot of the music, but it's great to hear different perspectives of those same commonalities. Awesome. Right on, yeah, never thought of it that way, really. And that must be like a fun exercise in like learning new music or finding new bands. I'd never thought about like geographically, like focusing on a on a spot and trying to find what's there. That California like contrast between um, like the height of the American dream and like the extreme bands. Like I feel like. That's something I really, I really feel with your music, with like especially with like the lyrics and the way like the music contrasts with your album covers. Like I'm going to kill myself is one of the greatest album covers um, I've seen <laughs> on like an extreme metal album. And you know, like I really like that kind of cartoonish um, satire, like mixed with this like incredibly um, like real fucking exploration of the mind, um, but also like Metallica. And the way that that song is is written, it's like really interesting. Um, and like I remember for for like years, I was like, that's so weird that there's a song and that all these songs have like weird names. Oh, that must be like just um, maybe there was like the notes that you took while writing the album. But then I actually read the lyrics properly, and now I feel like I, I it clicked where 
it's called that because of a reference in the actual song and that's like so clever I really like that you guys do that and it kind of kind of links in with what you guys were saying um about you know California and the, the contrast between that happy sun weather and the brutal music and I think that's kind of what is done really well in with the music from that county thanks yeah. I'm so glad that Thank you connected. That's great. Yeah. I think that like is a thread in our entire band too. Is like people like personally speaking, when they meet us, they're like, whoa, we didn't know you guys were gonna be like such normal, like almost goofball type of nice guys. But when you know you don't have a face to uh the name and you just hear the music, I guess I could see how it'd be like this weird contradiction. It's like when you actually meet the people, it's like, oh, it's like the band's comprised of like a fourth grade teacher and like, you know, a bunch of married dudes and dudes with kids. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thread that I think is just like a, a natural thing that's always been with the band. And then like, it's always been spearheaded by the fact that we're like, so okay with being personal and open. And even in those moments when we're our most vulnerable and personal and open, and even if it's a dark subject material, I think we've always coped with it by like being able to laugh. Like we've always like, our shortcomings, our failures, like some, most of the time we could turn it around and like, you know, laugh till our, like, we have tears in our eyes or over something, just like the comic, the comedy of errors sometimes with the band. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, go ahead. I was going to no, say, I, I completely agree. I mean, to me that that's like, essentially what makes life endurable to some degree is is like as the worse it gets the funnier it gets with time and and kind of vice versa as well with a lot of things and um I think we were somewhat lucky or I think maybe Jeff had a lot of that influence with our first record kind of like opened up my perspective on that but at this point I think we've we did it so intentionally with our previous album that our current record probably has the least level of satire in it. And I think Brandon explores that much more in Rostauer. I don't know, Brandon, if you would agree that. that oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. That sense of humor is, is much more prevalent there, but I think our recent record is, is kind of taken more back to not bare bones, but just kind of like, speaking for itself and what it is and and not having like and not having to hide behind a joke uh to some degree it's it's still there in pieces but i think just less so would you be up for kind of going more into like the lyrical content um yeah. i don't know i would love to hear more of what you've written yeah any, uh, anything in particular or just in general yes and and yes um like, <laughs> tell me everything oh uh, i mean how much time do you have well, <laughs> i gotta grab the got a fair amount of time got like at least 20 uh, minutes, so. no um so like the lyrical content for this album in a strong point and, and being very open and honest is there there was a point where there were vocals and and lyrics and stuff that doesn't appear on the album um recorded and just there was there was a big falling out and part of the part of the issue was i i had a a drinking issue at the time and in the the five years that we um took that break i mean it got worse and it got better and i got myself to a a place where i could sober up and i could get my my act together and I, i was 
I was getting to a point of being like a functioning alcoholic and it's not really a good place to be. And, um, once we decided to re reignite this kind of spark, I took that time to really reflect on the time that I almost kind of wasted. And some of the lyrics were written, you know, like in a, what I would like to refer to as like a past life, like a past me had kind of had these ideas and whatnot. And I was able to kind of redraw from that, recontextualize them into, in some ways, like telling the story. I mean, it's not like a coherent story with a start and finish or anything like that, but it is definitely an experience. Like the first song on the album is the first song that was written for this album. It's the first one I started initially writing lyrics for back, you know, years ago. And the last song is is definitely the 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 place of most clarity when I like refocused and started writing. And I think I just kind of worked my way um, filling in the blanks in between there of just, you know, what do I want to talk about? What do I want to say? I mean, I'm not trying to be preachy. Everyone, you know, live your life. Life's hard fucking, you know, sometimes you want to check out and I 100% support that for the people that want to do it. But the, the reality is, is you need to be able to get up and, and be yourself and do your job. And I was checking out of being myself or doing anything at a certain point. And I think I just really needed to, to think and reflect upon that. And some of the lyrics are really, in my opinion, like very dark and pretty honest and probably more honest than I initially intended to be. But um, I think that like is an overall summary. If you have any lines in particular, I'd be more than happy to dissect them for you. But I think that's kind of an overall summary of, of what the album is and, you know, the enamel queen is not like a reference to any particular person. It's, it's a, it's an addiction. It's something that drives you, something that controls you, something that, that you have no control over. And, uh, I think that like if people knowing that gives the album a little bit more context. I think one of the things I really enjoyed, it was in a previous interview where you were saying that, you know, um, the short answer was the enamel queen is in essence uh, a representation of addiction, but in actuality, it's it's an, an accumulation of many things and many negative aspects of life. Um, one of my of favorite parts on the album is I love the track Ren. By the way, if if you've got a disproportionate listening um, stream on Spotify, it's because I've been listening to that track nonstop. <laughs> and, um, one of my it's just I just absolutely love it. It sounds almost like a French horn, but it's when the acoustic part comes in and you've got the back of a, it's almost like a trumpet or a French horn. And I think it just sounds so morose and sorrowful. And I think it just adds a whole new level of dynamics to the album. Thanks. Yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely stepping outside of our comfort zone to do something a little different. Yeah, I felt like the guitars like were a little bit different. They were kind of progier and, and more melodic than your previous work, which is really interesting. Like, I really like that you guys are exploring all this new territory. Um, lyrically, going back to the the old lyrics. Um, first off, like, congratulations on on getting out of that dark time in your life. I'm really happy to Thank hear you. that you're not there anymore. That's really like heartening. Um, and like, secondly, there there were some lines that like really stood out. Um, I think one of them was. Um, oh my god, I'm gonna completely fuck it up because I have a terrible memory. Um, but <laughs> it was one of the things you said, I think, was like the biggest mistake I made was trusting the shithead that was myself. I apologize yes. if that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, uh, that, that yeah, was, uh, yeah, that was very yeah, yeah, you, you got it. 
I really like that was amazing that lyric is amazing and like I, I'm really interested and in, I, I feel like I know people and myself who can relate to that but like probably in very unique ways I don't know how you relate to that and you don't have to tell me um but I am very curious about it no I, I'm more than happy to um that song in particular that's from um New Measures of Failure and that song to me um and what the most lyrical content about is about relapse and mm. um I think that that line almost sums up that song as as a whole of of a relapse you trusted yourself to to a get better and then you go well maybe i could you know just this once you know and i can have control over it it's not controlling me anymore and i think that that's a lot over that line comes from um for me personally i mean everyone everyone can have their own interpretation i like to take kind of a a, a for lack of a better word, because I don't think that this accurately describes it, but almost like a Lynch, a Lynchian take. I'm more than happy to tell everyone my experience, but I want them to take something from it as well. And I try to write in a way that a lot of the lines have double meanings for me, but can have double meanings for anyone else who is wanting to, uh, you know, almost apply it to their life as well. Because everyone goes through shit and everyone can find something relatable. And what what the song means to me is not necessarily as important as to what it means to someone else. I think that's the power of like how honest you are. I think like when you get that bare bones, like I think a lot of people who've been through shit can relate to whatever you're saying, even if it's about something different. So that's really, it's really cool that you recognize that and that you do that. Like it's, it, I don't know much else music where people are just, just don't care about like, I don't know, not that you don't care, but like you aren't, worried about judged you know whereas I think yeah. a lot of people kind of get how they look or like what they're saying and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah I, I think that I want my at least the as far as the lyrical content goes to be open to interpretation and okay. uh if you just think it's heavy it's awesome if you just think it sounds cool awesome if it connects with you in a way that is not how I initially wrote it that's fucking great like I, I love that like I 100% support that it means something different to every person who listens to it in my mind. And uh, as long as, as long as it, you know, they're enjoying it and they, I, I kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, as long as they're enjoying it, um, I fully support it. Nina, it's, it's interesting to me to hear you because I, I feel like we've been asked this uh, a lot recently. Um, people are connecting to the music and they kind of connect to our band in this way, specifically with the lyrics, like, we know um, you mean what you say, as opposed to putting it into a song because you're a metal band and it's supposed to be dark or like, you you know, there's some level of it being authentic. Um, and it's, I, I love that. I, it's, it's like the highest compliment um, that I could possibly accept for our band. At the same time, sometimes I, I feel confused by that because I, I've surrounded myself with lots of musicians that I feel like, also mean what they say <laughs> and and don't you know frequently get that praise so if you don't mind I'd be curious to hear from you what is it that gives our music that sense that you feel like you know they mean it I think um there's so there's like a lot to be said for that like I I, I to put it into context a lot of music I like personally is like very much about like um, the human condition, I guess, to sound wanky, whatever, but like Lingua Ignota, bands like that, I don't know if you know, like, yeah, like, yeah, very much. Love, that's like love the that, yeah. very 
essence of pain of like a very specific kind of pain which is like super relatable for me because I'm a woman and that's kind of what that's about but then I also love like obscure it's like a 70s rock band called Atomic Rooster um, and they have all their songs are about like suicide and it's 70s rock it's like really like like yay whatever but then this guy's also like if I don't leave this town I'm going to kill myself and those are literally the lyrics um and like I they're one of my favorite bands and you guys are one of my favorite bands for that reason is that like you you I can just tell you mean it and I think that's the thing of authenticity is that humans are kind of like attuned to being able to tell if something is is like truly meant because that's like a really important survival skill right is to make sure the guy's not like whoever's like talking to you isn't just trying to stab you in the back and not that you know I think bands are trying to do that but like I think it applies when you're listening to art because that's what real art is is like the expression of something and and if often if something is distilled and expressed in a particular way like you guys do um especially like the juxtapositions which is like really ancient like in in Shakespeare in like Greek mythology there's like loads of juxtaposition and that kind of heightens and increases the intensity of something um and like in a lot of tragedy you have comedy as well um so I, I I don't know I can kind of sense that in your music and like I can tell that you guys like when I first listened to Zick before I read the lyrics I just imagined some like really big muscly guys on stage um, like, I imagine, like I imagine like Palm's ways you know and then I like, like, read the lyrics <laughs> I wish I was that buff. That'd be sick. Yeah, we should do a harm's way running man to one of our songs. <laughs> like that was like the first 10 seconds. I was like, oh, these guys must be like really, like really like super hyper masculine on like loads of like drugs or, you know, like getting all buff. But no, then I actually saw what you guys like were about, like your lyrics. And like when I actually read the song titles and I saw your promo pictures, I was like, oh, these are, these are humans. They're actually real people. And this is real. And that kind of like, that kind of like when I saw that you were just people um, that helped me realize like how super real you guys are. I don't know. That's a really convoluted, super long answer, but there it is. No, thank you. No, thank you so much. I appreciate that answer. Oh, thank you. Also, Zoom just told me that we have no time limit. They have given us a gift of extended time. <laughs> All day. <laughs> Beautiful. Jackson, do you have any more questions you want to ask? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sure I'll think of some. Yeah. I'll, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, the thing for me is, I think there's there's quite clearly um, a strong hardcore sort of aesthetic in the music, which is, tends to be a lot more um, earnest than um, a lot of the metal scene. Like you know, sometimes you know, there's only so often you could listen to um, bands sing about dragons and wizards. So I think you know, sometimes that for me anyway, that's what connects with me. It's just that ability to um, so visibly connect to something so much more human. Yeah, and I think speaking for myself, like before I was into like any form of extreme metal, um, I came from a background that first it was punk and then, well, first, if I'm honest, first it was like corn and limp biscuit when I'm, you know. <laughs> but then, you know, I explored and found bands like Bad Religion and The Misfits and then that in turn led to like some of the more um, hardcore bands and I always identified more with hardcore and then, you know, that in turn, you know, evolved into listening to bands like Converge and Dillinger Escape Plan. And I think I really, I didn't even know like what, like I knew about Cannibal Corpse, but it wasn't until I met like Brandon and towards the end of middle school, early high school that I learned about like 
grindcore and you know gore grind and all this shit and uh that really like opened up my my mind to that stuff but i think i've always been rooted in in hardcore to this day still like i still love hardcore and uh i think that aspect of the band i probably carried that over from you know just always identifying with that scene I'm still getting used to to not carrying that word with a stigma. I think in our high school scene, uh, when we initially formed, there was like this clear delineation of like, there's the hardcore bands, which which Bearclaw was very much a part of. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then there were the other bands um, that Admiral was kind of like the leaders of. And I, I guess in my head, I call it metal, but I actually don't remember what we called it in high school. And so that word hardcore, it's, um, it's tough for me to like hang on to it as anything that I'm proud of in a weird way, just because it, 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 I associate it with like more of like a tough guy or thoughtless style of music. Um, anyway, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's Scott, do you have any of that stigma or? Yeah. Well, I can see like, cause I think just like the same way that like metalcore got oversaturated, there was a point in time where like hardcore just got lumped in with like, if you like, I don't know, like I don't identify with like the tough beat downy guys. When I say I like identify with like hardcore in the scene, I, I don't identify with that, but I do identify with like the raw honesty of like a real good hardcore band. Um, and I get where you're coming from because like the scene we grew up in, like it wasn't, uncommon for there to be like a hardcore band for the sake of being able to wear like camo shorts and like a a fidel hat and then just like go beat people up at shows and i think that kind of tainted like the view like i imagine that's probably like when you think of hardcore that's where your mind goes to instantly no absolutely it's like a slam dance competition which is cool (laughs) in a way but it's just not what i think of our band as yeah yeah, you, you mentioned metalcore, which I find really interesting because when I think of metalcore now, I think of it becoming infused with like that sort of Gothenburg, Swedish, like mellow death style. But when, to be honest, when I think of metalcore and the bands I love, I think of bands like Converge and, you know, the earlier bands like Botch and uh, Vision of Disorder. Right. And that, that, I, that goes back to what I was saying about things getting oversaturated, right? It's like, I think, you know, a band like Kill Switch Engaged opened the door for all these bands to do like the like you said, the Gothenburg at the gate style and they just kind of lost their way with it. And it became like too much to the point where it was like a parody of itself. Bands like as LA dying, it's like, well, maybe at one point they might've been like exciting for like a record or two. It's like, it's like, do you really need to put like eight records of that same shit out over and over again? And then like, there's like a hundred bands that sound just like that. And, you know, then you add in like the whole melodic singing thing, which is just like, like, but i'm with you like for me and it took me a long time to come to like the realization that like metalcore isn't a dirty word and like the new stream of like metalcore bands that are coming around to me are actually like pretty interesting bands like bane um like i think code orange like kind of champions like that that movement yeah. too. and like you know that to me is more metalcore than a band like throwing it back to the reference but like as la dying like if i would if you were to ask me which band's a metalcore band, I put to Code Orange. Yeah, they're doing some great stuff in the scene at the moment. It's it's weird how new metal is getting a bit of revival. And um, 
Uh, most of you guys, have you always lived around sort of Moore Park, that part of um, sort of central? I'm California? here right now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you guys are quite—you guys are quite close to uh, Bakersfield, aren't you? So, and obviously, Corn are the sort of champion sons of Bakersfield. So, it was all about Corn when I was growing up. Andrew can tell you about Yeah, I lived there for about four years. Um, I grew up uh, near Moore Park and then moved to Bakersfield for uh, my high school years and got out of there pretty quick. Um, <laughs> nothing really good to say about it. I uh, haven't been back ever since, but yeah, Corn's, corn's from there and it's kind of all they got going for them. Uh, yeah, Bakersfield <laughs> is just uh, a shitty, a shitty place. It's like the Wait. armpit of California. We yeah. actually have a... Andrew, did you say that there was a radio station that played corn exclusively or something? Like that? Oh wow! <laughs> I I don't I don't recall that, okay. but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> that would be a very Bakersfield thing to do for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the last yeah, time I was all, up in Bakersfield, all country music and and corn out there. <laughs> Are you? Were you saying one? Oh, the last time I was in Bakersfield, I uh, visited Corn Row, which is a street in Bakersfield that they named after corn. No Isn't way! That, I had no idea yeah. that was a thing. <laughs> Wait, don't they have like the the street signs and the actual corn row has yes. like K from exactly. corn? Yeah, it does it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> rough. Is it like Skid Row or is it is it as um, sort of? Uh, surprising, no. But there's like this really wild like train track that's like right in the middle of like the actual street or like a train depot. It's fun stuff. That's wild. That's. That's a fact I'll take to my grave. <laughs> That's incredible. We don't do that here. Like, I think there's like a bridge in Birmingham called Black Sabbath Bridge. That's the closest we've got to like hailing our musical. They got a bridge. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. cool. I think that's neat, actually. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, if you would have ever gone to Bakersfield, you'd, you would know why they would champion anything they could. <laughs> <laughs> Bakersfield's pretty bad. The only thing yeah. I've heard Bakersfield is I think Hunter S. Thompson mentioned it like once or twice. That's mm -hmm. all I know. But he was probably shit talking it because that's what he does. <laughs> it's probably in reference to like getting some drugs or something. It could be. Um, that's a good guess. Yeah. yeah. I think meth and I, corn is like what Bakersfield is known for. Really? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Meth and corn for sure. And I think they have like one pizza place that bands travel up there to play at. I think it's gone. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, I think yeah, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm blanking on the name of it, but definitely an iconic place. Like pizza place you go into, go down to the basement. They'd have all kinds of bands come through there. I think that was like the one small venue that they had where a lot of like metal acts would come through. Uh, but most of the time, I think bands would get there and then kind of see the place. Like I, I can't even count the amount of shows I've been to where I've been excited to see one band and they just like dropped the last minute. Uh, it's kind of a, a commonality there, unfortunately. The place was called Jerry's Pizza, wasn't it? That's yeah. right. That's what yeah, I thought Jerry's. it was called. Yeah. That's such a good idea for a venue to be able to eat pizza while a band plays. That's like the fucking best thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few of them out here that do that. Whoa, America's awesome. I mean, <laughs> it's a big bag, but that's, that's some cool shit. Like, maybe the American dream ain't so bad, huh? I'd rather be in England, man. But just <laughs> do come in first, please. Like, come and play like a tour. If I had like a million dollars, I'd I'd give you that money so that you could come. <laughs> I I, I want to see how like English people slam dance. I've never actually been to a show here, 
um, that isn't like a shitty pub show where people have just done the, you know. Yeah, just 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 uh, just go to the next hate breed show, Nina. You'll see a fair amount of slam dancing there. <laughs> You'll have to pay me a lot of money. <laughs> I'm not really a hate breed uh, kind of kind of gal. I'm not a hate breed gal. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I only listened to Converge for the first time like a few years ago. I, I got into metal like a really weird route. Um, so like I kind of missed out on a lot of like the gateway bands, and, and then I I covered them. And they're fucking amazing. Like I love them, but I, I need to like actually get into hardcore properly because I think I'd really like it. But I think part of what put me off is the whole kind of bro mentality that the, the kind of stereotype, which I'm sure isn't true, because there's like loads of people who don't that way. Yeah, it's true to a degree, but those are the fans. The <laughs> the music's kind of a separate story. Yeah. Yeah, the music's great. I love the music. I think that's one of those things I kind of listen, like, if I'm at the gym or something or, or like, not at a hardcore show. But to be fair, I went to a lot of black metal shows, so I'm kind of, like, talking shit, really. They're kind of <laughs> way worse than hardcore shows. <laughs> <laughs> no offence. <laughs> no, none digging. <laughs> I actually, I actually checked out um, a few of your side projects. Um, so there's Rose Tower. Um, which I yes. believe is a reference to, I, I don't know what this is, but a Mystery Science Theater 3000? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, there's a movie called The Final Sacrifice that, um, that uh, Mystery Science Theater did a, a riff on where they have like the, three, the, the two robots and the humans sit and just kind of make fun of the movie the whole time. Uh, <laughs> one of the characters' names in it is Rosdauer, and the Mystery Science Theater episode probably says it close to 200 times, and it's one of the funniest episodes I've ever seen. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, that sounds pretty funny. Like, I checked it out. It's, it's way different um, to what I thought it would be. There's, like, loads of interesting, like, weird variation. There's a there's a song that is, like, rap in the title, and I was like, what is this? But it doesn't sound <laughs> oh, like oh, uh, how I thought it was. 8-4-4 Rapture. It, yeah, it was, what is- We were... We were watching a lot, like, in the, the jam space that we practice in, there's a lot of, uh, or there's a TV that we'd watch a lot of televangelism on while we were performing or while we were practicing or writing. And that kind of, like, seeped in pretty heavily as a theme to the band. Um, just the idea of, you know, the, the, the church and televangelism and they're freaking taking people's money. They freaking almost eradicated a whole community of people here long before any of us were alive but um you know it just kind of just became this really kind of evil thing that we focused on of just like why does no one talk about this shit or why does no one openly say it like we're all down to be like anti-church but why are we anti-church other than we don't believe in anything or we don't believe in god or whatever it is and i guess it's all the evil shit that that some of these not all but some of these groups and communities do to not only their own members, but to people in the outside communities. And uh, we just found it as being like very evil and part of like a, a strong inspiration for the band. That's really interesting. There's actually, um, there's an English um, like mentalist magician guy called Darren Brown, who actually went to America and pretended to yeah. be, you guys have seen it. Big, big yes. fan. Yeah. I love him. He's great. I like his writing book. He's yeah. so cool. Um, but yeah, he he went and like he pretended to be like a like an evangelist guy. He he got a guy to he trained a dude to be like an evangelist dude, and then he went to like one of these shows with one of these guys and like unveils all his tricks and he talks about like how there are these like Ill, Ill people who are terminally ill in like hospital beds turning up to these shows and being told, oh, you didn't believe in God half and like hard enough, so 
you're gonna die because you're not pretty good enough. <laughs> Which is like they it's so on the week. It does not really happen um over here so much, I don't think. It's really interesting um to like hear actual like you guys talk about it because it's closer to you. So yeah, it's interesting you chose that topic. I thought it was gonna be about rap, not something so <laughs> <laughs> No, we just tried to make it look like a phone number for like a a one eight hundred save your life kind of deal. So it's just the eight four four rapture. That's really clever. I like that. I also checked out. Um, I'm going to completely murder the pronunciation. Like Noriega. Yeah, Noriega. Um, Andrew <laughs> and I played in together. Uh, and oh, and, and and Brandon as well. And um, our old singer Trey played in that band as well. It was kind of it was almost like. I don't want to call it a different version of Black Sheep Wall, but it, it had all, all Black Sheep Wall members at, at some point. And we were doing, um, I don't know, we were we were kind of trying to be uh, rhythmically inclined uh, the most that we could and um, ended up fizzling out. And I think part of it was because Trey became the singer of Black Sheep Wall. We did write a full length record that, kind of we've i don't know halfway recorded and might become something else i don't know andrew you you if you have other things to say about it it's it's kind of far out of mind for me right now honestly yeah it's um when did we do it like 2009 so it was uh yeah like jackson said myself him brandon and trey i think trey was singing with black sheep all at that point I, i don't remember um but yeah very like rhythmically inclined like think like dillinger escape plan mixed with like abominable iron sloths so kind of that low tuned seven string sludginess um and yeah we we wrote a a full length just like the instrumentals for it and that's kind of sat around doing nothing for a little bit and, and it might turn into something or it might not um trying to figure that out but it's uh yeah it was it was a fun little project we had and then Maybe two, three years later uh, is when I joined Black Sheep Ball. But um, yeah, it's always been a, a fun little side project of ours. It's really, it's really cool. I liked how like it was kind of doomier. Um, I really liked the the sound of it. And I, I was reading about. I tried. I googled the the name of it because it's, it was mysterious and interesting. And like I can't remember who it was, but it's like the first time someone used metal to torture someone. It was like some dude who was like hiding in like um I can't remember was it like Colombia or something they used like Guns and Roses and um, yeah. they blasted music outside his house for like three days until he yeah, came out and he was like I can't take it. Yeah, Damn, was... I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah, we, <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> which uh, which Guns and Roses album was it? Was it Chinese Democracy or uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think when they got Noriega, I think. Uh, Oh God! What's the album? It's escaping me. The the big one, the real big one. Uh, the guns and appetite guns. for destruction. Appetite for destruction. Oh, yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> That's a I'm really ironic um, name to, for, like, yeah. to talk to someone with. Yeah, but that like set a precedent for them, like doing it in Afghanistan and stuff, like playing actual like real heavy metal for like days at a time. So legit, and they do it in Guantanamo Bay as well, right? Yeah. So like it's pretty brutal name for wow. a band. Uh, how long did they hold out listening to guns and roses like three days (laughs) they're champions yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay here's a dumb question if someone wanted to torture you like using music in that way what would be the song that they had to play for three days to make you break 
Fallout Boy. <laughs> I'm with you there. I don't know what it is about Fallout Boy, but that guy, when he sings, it sounds like he's just making fun of you or something. It's <laughs> 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 like he's purposely trying to be annoying or something. Oh, I get you. Well, I, the rest of you guys. I would say, uh, I don't know. No, nothing is really, is really grabbing my attention, but like sometimes if I hear music from a really long time ago that I've played on, it's very hard for me to listen to uh, just, mm-hmm. be, just because, you know, listening to too many details, e- even our first record, I Am God Songs, is very hard for me to have on. Like, I, I can't really listen to it. This just feels like a former version of myself that I kind of just don't associate with anymore. So I think for me, that would be like the most torturous, not necessarily our first record, but just music from that time that I played on my high school years would be really tough is that like when you get a Facebook memories and you click on it it's from like 10 years ago and you wrote like a super cringy status because I get that I mean it's actually a lot like that and it's not to say I'm not proud of that album but my playing on it I'm not especially proud of so yeah it's uh it's actually a a perfect analogy yeah I think you're playing sick um but yeah Yeah. I get what you same time thank you yeah i well for me i could listen to i am god songs all day every day uh <laughs> if i had to pick it would probably i mean it's sacrilegious as it may be as as us being a metal band but it would probably go to guns and roses anything by then yeah or anything anything post dream on Aerosmith. I don't know what it is, but as soon as like, I, I find it fascinating. I think for the first like day or two days, I might be like, how did they survive with Steven Tyler not having his voice anymore? And then just, it would get to me and it would kill me, but I would put guns and roses, maybe slightly above it. I, you know what? And I'm sorry, another sacrilegious one, red hot chili peppers. Can't do it. Yeah. Uh, I cannot <laughs> do red hot chili peppers. I apologize if anyone's a fan. I'm not a huge fan, but that's like that's surprising. I don't know why it just is. Oh, it's um, it's fun to hate Red Hot Chili Peppers if you're from California. Like I, <laughs> I totally understand it. I, I can't stand them. <laughs> I think it's like English people hating Iron Maiden because that's something we all do on this podcast. We absolutely hate Iron Maiden. Really, I love Iron Maiden. Oh, I love Iron Maiden. Wow. Well, we, we, we like Red Hot Chili Peppers, so it's even like <laughs> Iron Maiden is way better than Red Hot Chili Peppers. Are they? <laughs> Yeah, just think about the word California whenever you listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers and you'll notice how much they say it. It's ridiculous. (laughs) You know what? I still think of the intro from the OC when I hear the word California. Ah, Phantom Planet. Oh, Phantom Planet, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a really really good song. I actually quite like that song, but they do say it a lot. It's a very sayable word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Wait, I remember what? the first time I heard it, and I was just like, they mentioned the 101. <laughs> Juan, do you like Red Hot Chili Peppers? Uh, there was a point in time I did, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm originally from the East Coast, so I'm, like, <clears throat> from Connecticut, New York, that whole area. So for me, when I listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers, it was kind of like, oh, dope. I can think about wanting to be in California. But I would not say like it like had any impact on me. It was just like stuff Connecticut people would listen to like every summer, like that Dave Matthews band and like a lot of Tool. 
but uh, <laughs> like a lot of tool, a lot. <laughs> not to go but, on, uh, I think it's weird. Red Hot Chili Peppers, dude. To me, is the singer, man. I cannot stand that singer. Yeah, yeah. Like, why does he? Gotta, why does he have to do that? You know, it's that that vocal outro. What's that song? Is it Can't Stop? When he's just singing, singing the lyrics at the end, it just drives me up the wall. It's just the worst thing. <laughs> That's another one. The singer just feels like he's like poking you in the side and making fun of you. It's like, God, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> he's always got a haircut that's like 10 years younger than his age, too. <laughs> oh, my God, you're right. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> He's made of the same material that um, Iggy Pop is made of as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah like, no, that's a good point. But Iggy Pop is badass, so. Yeah, yeah. he Pop is. Good. I do like Iggy Pop. He is cool. I just feel like he's um, like he should make an action toy of himself where you can like scream his arm. He's so dope. <laughs> but what's your what's your torture music one? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, Bleeding Love by Leona Lewis. That's it. There was a point in time I was working uh, as a barista, and that song came on like every hour. And you know what? Listen, it is a good song in the sense that it's a pop song, but when you listen to it enough, it gets hard. (laughs) 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 I think mine is kind of uh, in a similar vein to Red Hot Chili Peppers. It'd be uh, Sublime. Uh, I can't, I can't stand that kind of music or like bands like Revolution and living here in San Diego now. It's like anywhere I go, that's all I hear. A sublime, I like sublime the slightly, comment. They're the slightly scar pop punkish sort of band, aren't they? If I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're kind of yeah, reggae vibes a, too. Yeah. Um, they're very popular in, out here. Yeah, Andrew and I went to college together and he kind of introduced me to this like version of reggae where they just play as many notes as possible and it was so counterintuitive to me and so weird and confusing. We we had we have a close friend. I don't think he likes it anymore, right, Andrew, but he really liked those bands like slightly stupid and uh Oh yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know the what what you're saying about the the like a ton of notes. I, I can't think of exactly what that is, but I know there was like no, no, a they, point they where were just, they, it was just like virtuosic guitar playing over reggae and it just made no sense to me. Oh, Gab. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. Like my two <laughs> genres I hate the most are ska and reggae. Like I, I do that. <laughs> anything what you describe sounds horrifying. <laughs> Oh, it's bad. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to off on this ska t- tangent because last night I couldn't sleep and um, I watched a, an entire live set of the Mighty Mighty Boston's and I don't even like them at all. <laughs> so I watched the entire thing. <laughs> but do you want to be bored to sleep? Uh, I don't know. I I I just I it's just interesting that we're talking about ska and reggae and I listen to no i'm i'm loving this let's talk more about music we hate (laughs) do you guys guys consider goldfinger a ska band yeah well it's it's only that one song it's the tony Hawker song every other song is that's the biggest song but i don't know i I thought they were a good band and even that's a pretty good song but you like ska (laughs) 
Look, man, I'm not proud of it. I'm still like coming to grips with why. I, <laughs> I, I bet you have a couple of checkers on your shoes right now, huh? I do wear checkers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I can't describe like how angry Scar makes me. I don't know if you have genres like that make you angry, but that's definitely there's something about how happy it is that really bothers me. Just so <laughs> cheerful. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> I can't think of anything that makes me angry. I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers is up there. But <laughs> yeah, in terms of genre, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't I I don't I don't think there's one ska band that I like that I could say. I mean, there's certain things I can find in almost every genre. Ska is one of those genres that I Again, it doesn't make me angry, but I don't like anything from. But then again, if I heard it all the time, or if I had to hear it all the time, if someone was blasting it outside of my house for three days as they're trying to get me to come out, I, I might be very pissed off at the genre. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know how to make all of you leave your houses. So thank you for giving me that. If it's just Scott, he'll just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now I remember. Okay, so the reason it, it popped up in my YouTube uh, algorithm and they were headlining some sort of like uh, what was like normally like some hardcore festival and they were the headliners for one day. And so I was like, well, shit, do I not know anything about Mighty Mighty Boston? So I watched it and I was like, no, it's just Mighty Mighty Boston's. Like, they're just playing their normal songs. Like, <laughs> 45 minutes later, I watched the whole thing. It's weird, man. It's weird. So random. I guess like the organizer really like ska and hardcore. I guess so, because the parallel wasn't there for me when I was listening to it. I, so, I think it's more of a social parallel more than a musical parallel, because uh, <laughs> my my Boston's are from like Massachusetts, which is kind of like uh, a haven for a lot of hardcore and punk bands. Do you like and the Mighty Mighty Boston's? Huh? <laughs> I own the record, dude. I'm from Connecticut. I can't. God, you know, like uh, some people don't. I don't necessarily like like pure ska, but I do like like bands like Folly or uh, uh, there's a uh, The Urge, which I'm not sure if you guys know of. They're another like kind of East Coast kind of like hardcore ska band. Uh, but uh, wait, hardcore ska exists. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of Folly. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big Folly fan. Uh, it might be also for nostalgia reasons too, but uh, but yeah, you do I mean, Mighty Mighty Boston's. Uh, <laughs> I had I had like <laughs> an album when I was like in eighth grade. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wanted to clarify. That's so wholesome. I don't know why, but like that's that's just really sweet. I love that. I don't know what it is about Connecticut that makes that. A thing but like i respect that man like it's because you know. it's cold there and we want to live like we're living in san diego uh-huh. <laughs> so, we, yeah. so we warm up with the uh island sounds you know yeah <laughs> i just you blow my mind like scar hardcore has just like are they like what how do you dance to that like what do you do uh it's a lot of like skanking and a lot of like moshing <laughs> It's, if, if you ever if you if you ever have the chance check out uh folly i think uh they play uh this is hardcore fest i think it's like 2006 or something like that 
That's amazing. Uh, in British slang, a skank is like a very undesirable woman. Uh, it oh. is out here too, but it's also yeah. oh. dancing. <laughs> also, yeah. you, it's also how you get down with ska music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Skanking. Yeah, what a wonderful word. Yourself, look up Polly. I will do that. Honestly, I'm going to do that on the way home. I'm going to be blasting that shit and screaming angrily. I can't wait. <laughs> So I'm what gonna, are you guys doing? Like what are you already writing your next release? I'm really curious. Like what are, what are your plans apart from your secret things that you can't tell us? We don't have very many secrets. We're currently in a big disagreement about if MIDI is cool or not, and I'm outnumbered. <laughs> the the rest of my band thinks oh. MIDI is acceptable and a good way to demo, and I am firmly against it. Um, so we have to, we have to work out our issues before we write any more music wait real quick though i just got i gotta interject here if i remember correctly wasn't the whole noriega record initially written on midi before like i like you know we like actually jammed together everything except for maybe bolikos kind of yeah yeah, All right, so I you're okay. It was more like guitar <laughs> pro. It was like guitar pro files that sounded like MIDI, but basically MIDI. Which actually fails to mention too is his backup for demoing drums sounds like he's playing drums like ten rooms over, and like that the microphones are covered in tinfoil. <laughs> yeah, it really lowers the quality of uh, the, of the audio quality. I shouldn't say the, it's not the quality of the music, but the audio quality like dips uh, significantly. But to that point, yeah, we're 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 writing. Um, it's hard to get together, you know, with the pandemic and everything. We all have different like extenuating circumstances that makes it hard for us to get together. But um, it's definitely like on our plate. I'm I'm excited, and you know, if you do go with MIDI, you can release like a special edition MIDI album of yeah. the. You can have like some eight bit artwork. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> <laughs> like a black. <laughs> This is what to replace Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really hope that the MIDI walls are resolved soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you decided on a theme um, for like you know lyrically or or musically? Are you are you being conceptual or are you just um, gonna go play? I I've been mulling around some ideas um, when listening to the demos um, that I've gotten and whatnot. Um, nothing like solid yet just a few ideas that i want to definitely do i kind of need to sit with them more the songs need to develop more uh, get more solidified um as far as our new music goes we have other stuff in the works to to kind of be out there and active that i don't know if we can announce or talk about yet though yeah everything's still like as far as new music it's all very much in the infancy stage where like themes and conceptualizing is kind of like we're not at that point yet like it's always on the purview but uh yeah it's like you know we have like a song and a half written essentially do you tend to have like a mm -hmm. moment where it all clicks um or do you do you usually just have like a set time where like okay we're three songs in it's time to think about what it's gonna look like overall huh. in the I past it's, it's been more we get into a routine of coming together and having songs and then often we end up scrapping a, a ton of music um but once we have like close to a full length 
then we start thinking like, oh, could we like fill in a gap right here with a song so that the album flows a better way or something like that. But up until that point, it's just like organically getting together, meeting at a TGI Fridays, hanging out for a little bit, playing some riffs, going home until eventually we're like, oh, we have enough material. Like we could make this into an album. That's kind of where it's- Fridays in like eight years. <laughs> well, yeah, our band has I know exactly what like you're referring to now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those were you and me getting winged. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Thank you. I'm right about MIDI too, by the way. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hit both. I want to hit MIDI sheep wool and I want to hit um, guitar sheep wool as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, guys. Like, I really hope that, like, if and when you come over to the UK, we can come hang out with you and, like, we can do some card readings for you guys too. Don't worry, it's not like wishy wishy spiritual. No, I'm shit. totally into that. I'd, I'd yeah. love that. Yeah, anytime you guys want a reading, just hit me up anyway. Um, I'm, I love doing it for, for bands and stuff. It's like, it's been so fun. And you guys are so fucking cool. Like, thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this was much more of like a fun conversation about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're about, man. Like, that's secretly our MO is just to try and, and have conversations. <laughs> to try and discredit the, the Chili Peppers. <laughs> we're actually paid by them to actually just low-key bring them up and advertise them. This <laughs> entirely an advertising scheme for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, uh, <laughs> they won't be I wouldn't put it past them. them. <laughs> Well, you know, like, is there anything you guys want to talk about? Um, like, any promo you need to, to do? I hate saying that word. Um, but, like, you know, the song to be Enamel Queen is out. You can buy it on Bandcamp. You've got the Evil Greed UK records, which I may buy one um, after we finish this conversation, um, the, the vinyl and stuff. So, and hopefully some shows when things are safe as well coming up. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of pushing what we have, I think uh, just – yeah, but like you mentioned, Songs for the Enamel Queen is out there now. Um, if you're in the UK, it's a lot easier to get one now through Evil Greed. Um, all the streaming platforms, the Apple Music and Spotify of the world. Um, I would say keep an eye on our social media. Um, we have some things to announce coming up soon uh, that we can't talk about quite yet. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, unless I'm forgetting something. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at. Uh, since you gave us the opportunity, Juan and I played in another band together called Benoit. We're finishing up a full length right now. So that'll be cool when it's uh, done and we, we're able to release that. Um, as far as Black Sheep Wall stuff goes, we're just, we're really, um, we're full of gratitude for how many people have connected with the music already and selling as many copies that we as we have has been really awesome seeing the response from the record. So just, uh, just, Thank you so much, and thanks for having us today. Thanks for being you. Oh, so fantastic records. Uh, just quickly, Ben Moore, that's, uh, is that, does that happen to be a reference to the uh, infamous wrestler with the first name Chris, or is that completely unrelated? Juan, I'm going to let you take that one. <laughs> it, means, it means good luck in French. That's all I know for real. Right oh, okay, now. cool. Oh. <laughs> I used to be in the band, and I used to love well, I, actually, I still love pro wrestling. So Same. I started the game. <laughs> Have you uh, migrated over to uh, AEW yet, or are you a WWE man? Oh, yeah. I totally – I, I mean, 
I love WWE, always will. I can't bring myself to watch three hours of Monday Night Raw every week. Oh, same. Um, Too tedious. Are you familiar with PWG? Uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, yes. So I, I, in like the past like five or six years, was in close proximity to the building they ran in. So I went oh, to shows cool. there on a monthly basis. And so nice. I, all those guys that are like blowing up in AEW, I saw them apply their craft in PWG for years. And so it is like, it's funny to me because PWG was like this little veterans hall in the middle of the valley that like from the outside just looked like this rundown building, but it was like yeah. hosting the best professional wrestling on the planet. <laughs> just like yeah. this oh. tiny box. Yeah, some of the PWG matches were just unbelievable. And yeah. uh, it's great because I feel like AEW's um, taken the independent talent and still letting them be independent talent, if yeah. that makes sense. Whereas WWE is oh. a bit more, you know, they want you to kind of conform to their mold as a professional wrestler. Yeah, and like, I'll come around for like the big shows, like, you know, the pay-per-views for WWE, but the weekly TV show, the, there's so much wrestling to watch now that like I can't bring myself to to watch all of it. But yeah, lifelong fan, unabashed. I remember in like, middle school like like a girl that i had a chance with to go on a date that was like really cute was like you like pro wrestling i was like <laughs> fuck yeah i do she's like <laughs> 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 we didn't go on that date but <laughs> that's so adorable i remember reading that was it like jackson and brandon you guys met and like one of you was pro wrestling in the back garden in like kindergarten oh like, that'd be jackson and scott Sorry, I mean that makes way more sense. Considering <laughs> <laughs> the conversation you just had. Sorry, but yeah, that reminded me of that. Like, that's a really cool. You've been a, a lifelong fan. That's that's awesome. Yep, I'll probably watch them for today. <laughs> did you uh, did Did you have your own sort of uh, finishing move you adopted when you were sort of backyard wrestling, as I did? Yeah, I uh, I used to like put my friends in a fireman's carry and then drop them <laughs> into a stunner. No way, like a TKO. That's sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah essentially. Yeah. I've suffered that many times, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I was always a tombstone power driver man myself. And uh, let's just say it's lucky no one was ever crippled. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I think back to some of my friends' parents, like, and I would go over to their house and wrestle their kids. It's like, they probably hated me, man. <laughs> I did I mixed martial arts for like six years. So I used to like wrestle, I used to like American freestyle wrestle, but I've never like pro wrestled. But like when I do watch it, it's it's pretty cool. But I I, like the only crossover is like Josh Barnett. I know he's done some pro wrestling and Sakuraba because they have like an amazing metamorous fight. It's really well worth watching. I love, uh, yeah, Sakuraba is awesome. He actually, yeah, he crosses over. Well, I don't don't know if he's still doing it, but for a bit there, he would do like the, the pro wrestling stuff too in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I love him. He's like, I've seen his training videos. They're so fucking cool. He's just like an absolute warrior. That guy yeah, is awesome. Badass. Josh Barnett actually just put on a, a pair of shows recently called Bloodsport. And I've seen Yeah, they're basically worked fights. It's like at pro wrestling MMA, but it's like, you know, it's in the vein of pro wrestling, but they treat That's like cool. there's no ropes and there's like, like, it's, I think it's only TKO and submission is the only way you can win the matches. It's pretty the, sweet. 
that's from Metal Morris, because um, uh, Josh Barnett fought in Metal Morris, which is like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling um, like promotion where there's there's no timed matches. You just fight until someone submitted, which is like if you it's really boring if you don't like pro if you don't like jujitsu because it's just people like kind of grip fighting for about yeah, half an hour exactly. and then it's like a sudden flurry of like oh you know it's just like really nerdy fighting. It's like not at all as entertaining as pro wrestling, but it's it's like. Yeah. It's cool. There's like Japanese drumming at the same time. So that sounds sick. I'll check that out. Yes, yeah, it's well worth watching. Like, yeah, yeah. Thanks for nerding out with me for like a minute. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, Mark, we talked about all my favorite things except for the except the red hot chili peppers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the things we hate and the things we love. I mean, that's a good conversation. Yeah, I hope we can. I hope we can, like, you know, do this again at some time. Next time, you guys need to promote something. Not that we're like a massive um, thing or anything, but we're always happy to to share any news you guys have or talk to you guys again. So, thank you for thank taking you. time out of your day to talk to us. Thank you. I just want to say a heartfelt uh, congratulations on the album and the success, and I wish you guys uh, continued success in the future. Thanks. So thank much. you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us too. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I mean, we can we can go now. I guess I'm really awkward at ending these things. Um, we're just gonna edit like the, the bits, I guess. Sounds good. Yeah. Good. Well, it's well, been a pleasure. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you for coming. See you guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a lovely day. See you guys in another five years. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs>